You may be seated. Our scripture today is from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're finishing up um, not just a series on um, the armor of God. That's just a little piece of it. But we're finishing up a series called Finding God, where you send me out um, to different places to look for God. And the reason we do that is because we know that God is to be found there. Certainly best here, best when we're looking, but not exclusively. And so the Bible tells us there's evidence of God out scattered around the world. And so I do this so that you can send me to the hardest places you know of or that you can think of, challenge me to find God there, and then when you see that God is there, you'll realize that God is everywhere where we go. We just have to open our eyes to see it. So you sent me to my first gun show, um, and I told you last week, y'all are already laughing at me for doing this, I told you last week I grew up in a hippie family. Um, my mom thought it was really important that I know which Beatle was singing the lead on any song that she played, she'd be quick, which, which Beatle is singing, you know? And we went to Whole Foods and rolled our eyes as kids and REI. I mean, we'd drive up to Austin and like go shop at Whole Foods and come back with, you know, whole grain bread. And so we were just real big dorks growing up. I mean, that's what we were. And um, then I married Kevin and Kevin comes from a Kansas farm family. And so he had a very different upbringing. I mean, we would see what guns were doing on the news, and my whole family would, oh, my gosh, you know, so scared. And Kevin grew up hunting. And so he's like, it's not scary. You just have to learn how to deal with it, Laura, you know. Um, so that was kind of the mix that our marriage is. And then you sent me to my first gun show, because that's something I thought never in a million years would I ever be like, hey, there's a gun show in town, right? Let's, let's go to that. Um, so you sent me there and said, look for God. I said, okay. So I went to my first gun show, and um, I didn't know this, but when you go to a gun show, you bring a gun. And I didn't know this. I thought you bought a gun there. You bring your gun. You bring a, a handheld gun, or you bring a rifle, or you bring a semi-automatic weapon, and they lock it into an open position, and then you walk around, all these people um, armed to the teeth. And I told you last week, I was there, and I hadn't brought a gun, and so I felt very vulnerable. Not because I thought they were going to do harm to me, but because I know, because I know human nature, that it's possible, right? That I can't tell the heart of every person who's carrying a deadly weapon if it's a good heart 
or a bad heart. And so I have to trust in some sense that that guy with the semi-automatic by the snack bar is a good-hearted person, not a bad-hearted one. And I told you it made me feel really vulnerable because all it takes in a group of hundreds who could use deadly force is one to go wrong. Now, granted, they probably would have gone wrong for like two seconds and then been eliminated. But still, I didn't want to be around when that happened, right? And so I was thinking about feeling vulnerable, and I was praying about, I saw God all over the place at the gun show. That was another shocking thing, is I could preach to you five good sermons about where I saw God. My husband's like, you saw God the most at the gun show of anywhere we've ever been. I'm like, I admit it, I did. And so we're just writing them all down, and I'm praying um, about which place I need to tell you about, about which thing is going to is the need that I need to speak to about God in your life. And it was really clear, the Holy Spirit was like, none of those things, I want you to talk about the armor of God. Because you felt vulnerable. And remember, Laura, we have, God was saying, we have an armor people can't see. That God told me maybe you're feeling vulnerable. And so I need to tell you about this so that in the spiritual world, you can be strong. You can stand firm. Because the thing I can promise is that bad things happen in this life. We can't control them. But God says that if you have this armor on, you can control the outcome of that battle. And the outcome is you're still going to be standing firm. You're still going to be standing when that battle is over. You will be holding firm. So I need to tell you about this, right? Now, the other thing I'm thinking is, gosh, I'm a Methodist pastor talking about the spiritual forces of wickedness, right? And y'all are like, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, that's weird, right? Because there's some people who see God under every rock. Have you ever met those people? Like, where they're like, well, I missed the traffic light. That was the devil. Really, I, I've met these people where it's sometimes the devil. Somebody told me it was the devil who made me put these socks on today really? Like the devil really cares about your socks? And then because we see that, we're like, that's a little crazy. I think Methodists in general, I'm going to generalize, go to the other extreme. And because we can't see the spiritual battle, we just decide we're not going to think about it. We just won't care. Or we just like, that seems a little... A little uber-religious, right? Spiritual warfare, that's a little crazy. So I'm just going to go on and live my life. And there's dangers on both sides to be overly concerned with it and then to not give it any credence at all. Because the Bible tells us it's a reality. The Bible says that lined up against us right now are all of the spiritual forces of wickedness and all of the evil powers in this world. And oh, by the way, they're invisible. And they're going to attack. And then Paul says, okay, so this is how you get ready. So I've just been trying to get you ready. Okay, so we got halfway dressed spiritually last week. We talked about the belt of truth and how it gird your loins with truth just means turn that long skirt that they wore into pants. Be ready to run into battle. Be ready to move wherever the commander says to go. Truth is what keeps us um, from being humiliated. And it's also when you think about a belt, even nowadays with police officers, truth is what we hang out the rest of our tools of our life from. It's a center part. If we're not truthful, we don't really have that space to have those other good moral things. Breastplate. 
we talked about the body armor of righteousness and how you want to not be taking out the plates to where you're just wearing the cross, right? And you've left all of the moral obligation, all of the good works, all of the right living, which is righteousness behind. You're not just wearing a cross, you're wearing the armor. And then we talked about the boots of the gospel of peace, how crazy it would be to run through this world spiritually because there's sharp, there's sticker burrs, there's all kinds of things we're going to encounter. And peace neutralizes those if we have our footwear on. Shalom is peace that defies circumstance. So those are the first pieces of our armor. Now we're going to get into the next half of the armor. Paul gets the middle of the list and he says this interesting thing. He says, above all. It's almost like to me, he was listing these things and, you know, he's dictating and writing it down and he goes, shoot, I should have started with this first, right? So he says to people, oh, this is the most important thing of all, above all, or in addition to all this, the shield of faith. Okay, now remember that Jesus said if we have the smallest amount of faith, it will move a mountain. So we're not talking about gargantuan, massive amounts of faith. We're talking about a little bit of faith in God. And Paul says that is the shield for your whole body, if you have it. Now, the interesting thing is Paul would have been looking at Romans. Romans were who occupied his land. They, they had taken over the whole world, and therefore they had a great, powerful army. And one of the best things the Romans had, which we still model our shields on today, is the shield. Now, that's a Roman shield, and in case you don't believe me about how great this shield is, look at a modern-day riot shield. It's a little taller, but it's curved, and somebody can stand behind it like this, and they are protected from anything that comes at them. The only update we've done in the modern age is to make it a little bit taller and see-through because we have that technology now. And that's it. And that's the Roman shield. Like we think of like a shield. I, I've seen some pictures of the shield of faith, the armor of God. It's like this little round thing where you're like, you know, no, baby. The shield of faith is like, Plant it and get behind it, and you are defended, right? You don't have to, like, maneuver it all around. Now, the neat thing about faith, too, is do you see these soldiers standing alone? They're standing together. And so Paul, thinking about the shield of faith, is not thinking about you trying to move your faith around to defend yourself. Paul is thinking about you standing next to you, standing next to you, standing next to you, all of us together. You know, when the Romans got all together, you can see kind of this. They're in a um, stationary position. If they wanted to move, they would form a box. They would put their shields around on all sides, and some people in the middle would put them on top. And they had an armored tank. 2,000 years ago, the Romans had an armored tank wherever they went. They were defended. It was terrifying. And Paul says, when we have faith, that's what it looks like to Satan. That you're not getting in this tank. This is the only weapon we're talking about that you can share. I mean, it's going to be really hard to share your belt, right? Walk around like a three-legged race or something. If you can't share your helmet. You can't share your body armor. You can't share faith is meant to be shared. It's stronger that way. That's why we're here. People tell me, even last night, I was um, at a birthday party in my neighborhood for my wonderful neighbors behind me, and they had somebody there, and he's like, I'm going to come help with Habitat. And I was like, great. 
and then you want to come to church? He's like, I'm not into organized religion. I said, okay, I'm glad that you believe in God. If you ever feel like you need some friends, Bee Creek will be your friends. Because we all need friends for the journey. Because standing alone, one soldier, even with a good shield, if the attack's just coming and coming and coming, you're going to get demoralized. But if I have even one of you to stand next to me and a few more to take the back, what could overcome us? Nothing. And that's what Paul says. Paul says, this will extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. There's nothing that can come at you that this won't stop. A little bit more about the shield. Um, made out of wood. What does a flaming arrow do to a wooden shield? If you got hit with an arrow and it was on fire and your shield was made of wood, you drop it, right? I mean, it's, it's that or you burn your arm off. And so flaming arrows defeated shields. So it was like, oh, an arrow could take out one person if it was well aimed. A flaming arrow could make a hardy soldier drop their shield. And if it was shot into a refuge, a place of safety like a town, or even around some soldiers who are fighting in the grass, suddenly it's creating fire around you that makes you panic, that makes you flee. And so the thing of, this, of these shields is they were wooden and then they were wrapped in leather, bound with leather. And the Roman soldiers before battle would dunk them into huge tanks of water and bring them out dripping wet. And the leather held the water in so that when a flaming arrow hit them, it fizzled. Now, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to get all spiritual on y'all. But think about Reese, right? About this baptism. We have his parents stand up here and they say, we have faith. And then to that, we add the water of baptism, which is God's power at work in his life. Just like taking our faith and dipping it in the water of our baptism and saying, God, what little faith I have, will you augment that? Will you make it powerful? Will you make it strong so it's not defeated? And Paul says that when we have this shield of faith, just like the Roman shields, nothing. He doesn't say it defeats most of the arrows. He says it extinguishes all of them. They won't get through. So that's the, sword of the, or that's the shield of faith. Now, the helmet of salvation. Um, the Roman helmet was a military marvel. It covered the head, which was vulnerable. And see how it covers the sides of the face and even the neck. Some, they had a neck guard that would come down like that. And it still let people see where to go. So it did all that without blocking vision. And when I think about the helmet of salvation, I think about the boots of peace, how God gives us peace for our feet so that wherever we're walking, we know it's going to be okay. And then to our minds, which can get riddled with worry or um, paralyzed with what to do next, we have our salvation, which is hope, right? It's, it's the hope that knows the story of what God is doing in this world and will be doing, that Jesus has come and that that made a difference in my life, that my life changed because of it. And I remember how that changed. And so now that I'm standing in this terrifying place, I may not be able to look around and see exactly what the next 10 steps are, but I can see the next one and I trust God to take it. That's the helmet of salvation. 
It means that wherever you are, wherever you're standing, whatever is happening to you in life, you have a choice. You can't choose the stock market, how it's going to go up and down, right? I can't choose um, at the gum show if somebody's going to have a bad heart or a good heart. I can't choose that. You can't choose if you're going to get sick. You can't choose if someone you love is going to get in an accident. You can't choose that. There's a lot of things that just happen to us. But what I want you to remember is you can choose how you respond. You should choose how you respond. Nobody gets to take that away from you. That's your choice. That's your power in any situation is saying, okay, so this is happening. I'm God's child. What do I do now? And I've talked to people who are very sick. And like Patty Wiles from our church, she was sick with cancer. She was in the hospital. I'm like, how is your heart, Patty? And she said, how is it with your soul? And she said, well, I wish I didn't have this cancer. And I used to do all these things, and I can't anymore. But anytime somebody comes in the door of my hospital room, I'm going to be a witness to them for the love of Christ. In her hospital room can't choose that she has cancer, but chooses her response and to find a way to redeem it. I was talking with Lucille Howland. Her husband Bill's service was yesterday. And she was telling me how Bill had cancer and he had, after a long struggle, he had died. And she held his hand and she told him how much she would miss him, but that she would be okay. And she'd see him in heaven. And at the end of that, she said, I love you, Bill. And she said with his last breath, he said, I love you. And then he died. I said, Lucille, how is it with your soul? She said, I'm just sad. And we were both crying together. I said, and then she started telling me, but... I went through a lot in my childhood. She's written a book about that. And she said, maybe it's because of that and God seeing me through that, but I remember how God got me through that. And I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know God will see me through. She's like, so today I went and I got the car inspected. And each day I'm going to take another step. And remind myself that I can do it with God's help. See, that's the helmet of salvation. Those are two extreme examples. But even when you're having a bad day and everybody's being negative, you don't have to be. You could be like, you know what? So everybody's being negative. I'm a child of God and I'm going to find the positive. Or so everybody tells me that I can never do that, but God is saying I can, I'm going to do it. The helmet of salvation. The next um, piece of weaponry is the only piece that is, if you think about all this, um, it's the only piece that's an offensive weapon. So your belt, your boots, your breastplate, your helmet, your shield, um, you're not really going to attack people with your boot, right? (laughs) Back off, Satan, I have a boot, right? No matter how bad your feet smell, it's just not going to (laughs) work. But then we get to the sword of the spirit. And this is the one weapon in the whole group 
that is an offensive weapon. And I wouldn't say that we're going to use it because Paul says the sword of the spirit. So he's calling God's spirit, right? And then he says it's God's word. And I know a lot of people who are like, well, game on. And so they grab their Bible and start just beating people with it, right? Like, you are living the wrong way, sinner, right? I don't really see Jesus using the Bible that way. So I'd like to use the sword of the Spirit the way Jesus used it, which is when he was attacked or when he was challenged, he would cut to the heart of God's will by quoting Scripture. And so remember that Satan comes after him when he has been fasting. That means without food for 40 days. We think we get grumpy when they have to take our blood and we haven't had our coffee, right? 40 days. And Satan comes up to him with scripture and a rock and says, make it into bread. And he has a scripture to back it up. And Jesus says, no, that's not the heart of it. And he quotes from Deuteronomy. And Satan stops. And he comes back with another temptation. Jesus quotes the Bible again. Satan leaves. Another temptation. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy again. Satan leaves. And he goes away. When the Pharisees came up and said, hey, there's 6,317 laws that we've come up with, which is the best. Because Jesus knows the word of God. He says, you know, the heart of it is love God with all you are and love other people. And they can't trap him because he's right. Nobody can argue with it. So when things like the Da Vinci Code come up, which happened when I was in San Angelo, if you don't know your Bible and somebody is quoting bits of it, you can be tempted to be like, well, I know that's in the Bible, so is that right? The only way we can defend against that is to really know what the Bible says. The whole thing. Not just a verse here and a verse there. We could believe anything. I could teach you anything based on a verse here, a verse there. I had a guy in San Angelo who came up to me after the service every time, and he would, like, be reading the Bible. He'd be underlining it, and he'd come back, and he'd, he'd say, well, have you thought about this passage? Have you thought about this passage? I loved that guy. David Huckabee, bless his heart, I loved him. He was a math professor at ASU, and he didn't just open his mouth for me like, pour it in there, you know. He was chewing it. He was deciding. He was measuring it against what else the Bible said. I loved that. Do that. Ask questions. Seek to know more. Use your study guide. I mean, it's really easy because I'm writing a study guide now for you every week to get into the Bible more about what we're talking about, right? And it'll take you like 10, 15 minutes a day, and then you'll have your sword. Now, here's, here's the bringing it home thing. Um, this is an asp. It's a weapon um, that police carry. And in my hands, I'm in danger, <laughs> really, and so are y'all, because I don't know how to use this. Um, they have to train for 21 hours just to get certified to carry this. Because it's, this stick is deadly, right? And if they don't know how to use it, they're either going to be disarmed or the weapon will be stolen from them and used against them. Now, if you have to train 21 hours to use this baton, you really need to, we all need to think about how much training we need with the Bible. 
so that it won't get knocked out of our hands or so that it won't be used against us, but we'll really have what Paul says is the sword of the Spirit. Okay, the final thing. We'll put the asp away. I know all y'all can breathe a sigh of relief now that I'm not holding that. The final thing that Paul talks about almost as an afterthought is prayer. So he's talked about all the armor, and then he gets to prayer, and he doesn't give it um, a name. And so if I was going to give it a name, I would call it communication. You know, any army, the key to an army that can win or lose a battle is can you communicate with your commander? Can you call for reinforcements? Can you coordinate what's going on here with what's going on over there? And Paul says, he talks about praying, and I would say that's our communication, is that we not only want to, like, charge out there because we think we're doing the right thing, we want to really be communicating with God, not just asking but listening, so that we know the way to go, so that we're not, like, well-equipped and doing donuts because we are, we've lost our radio, right? So that we talk to God. If I could tell you one thing that I have learned as a pastor, you learn a lot of things, but one thing that has grown in my heart as a pastor is just the power and the importance of prayer. I mean, that's why we pray. Like at the, first, at the second service, we prayed for um, a mom who was in the ER because her baby was having trouble, and she's had trouble with her pregnancies, and we're all praying for her. And then Greg tells me, hey, um, they called and everything's fine. Yeah, it's fine. That's because we were praying, right? And God started acting because we invited God to be there. And last fall, I was having a really hard time, and some people noticed that, that I needed some support. And they said, we would like to pray for you. As our small group, we'd like to pray for you. And I was like, great, you do? And they said, yeah, we're going to do it every week. You can just count on it. And so when I hit a struggle or a hard time or I feel like I'm being attacked, I remember that group praying for me. And what had been one of the hardest years in that, in that fall piece has become one of the most beautiful this year in my life as a leader, as a pastor. Why? I think because they're praying for me. And I'm open to that. And so let's pray for each other. I'm not saying that just so you'll pray for me, although I can use it, right? But let's pray for each other. Let's tell each other that we're doing that. Hey, I'm praying for you. Let's be willing to expose ourselves enough to our friends, not to the enemy, but to our friends to say, I'm really struggling with this right now. Would you just pray for me? You'd be amazed what communicating with God does, how it changes. So let's review. Belt of truth. Impossible to be powerful for God and be a liar. Um, boots of peace. Shalom that takes you through any circumstance. Let's go to the helmet of salvation. It reminds me that I may not choose what's going on in the world around me, but I choose my response. The breastplate of righteousness. That the way I choose to live my life each day is a protection for my heart, the shield of faith, which I'm going to link up with each of y'alls, and we're going to be unstoppable in this world, the sword of the Spirit, which we need to know and read and love 
and internalized so that we can set people free, so that we can defend against any evil that comes our way. And then prayer, saying, God, our battle commander, God, our leader, send us in the right direction. May your armor shine with God's power. I usually can't see it, but every now and then I get a glimpse of it. I pray not only that I could glimpse it, but others could. But most of all, I pray that you would be protected, that nothing would stop you, that nothing would stop us. Let's pray. God, we do invite you to be part of our lives, um, to protect us, to be our shield through faith and to help us to put on the right things in a world that's sometimes telling us to put on the wrong things, to put on truth and righteousness and remember your salvation and walk in your peace. Lord, I pray that you would help us um, to be shields for each other with our faith, to know your word and let it guide us and to be in constant conversation with you. We pray all that so that our lives would be better, Lord, so that when we face evil and we stand on a dark day, we'll know that nothing in this world is more powerful than you and that as long as we stand on your side, we're going to be okay. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.